Thanks for taking some time to listen to this message on the Elevate Church podcast. We believe that God will speak to you wherever you are. Now, let's prepare our hearts and hear what God has for us today. Hey, awesome. Thank you guys for worshiping with us today. I'm, I'm sure wherever you are, you sounded amazing. Uh, it's already been a wonderful Easter service. Uh, but let me ask you this. How many of you have ever been in a situation where what you thought was happening wasn't really what was happening? Like, in other words, it wasn't what it seemed. You know what I'm talking about? Like, maybe you, you saw something, but it wasn't what you thought. Maybe your eyes were playing tricks on you. Uh, my wife experiences this whenever she goes shopping. By the way, when we go shopping together, we go to two separate stores because it's better for our marriage. Can I get an amen from the guys today? Like, you just don't go to the same store. But she went to her store, and I went to my store. And when we came back out, she was like, they're having a really good deal. And I always get a little skeptical when I hear the word deal. But she said, right now, if you spend $300, you get a free $100. I'm like, that's not a deal. Like, that just means you spent $300. Like, it's not what it seems. She's like, no, no, no. It means you get like 25% off. Off of what? You still spent 100% of $300. Like Kohl's has this figured out, by the way. You leave Kohl's thinking like you, you made money going to Kohl's. But maybe you experienced this whole idea. It's not what it seems in, in relationships where, where you thought you were getting a little more than the friend vibe. And so you took the step and you took the risk and you asked her out. And she said, I just want to be friends. And you realized it wasn't what it seems. I, I remember one time, I pulled up to our house and I heard screaming like from one of my boys in the backyard, like someone had died. And so I ran to the backyard ready to find like fingers and limbs cut off. And it turns out they were just playing. It wasn't what it seemed. But how many of you know that before you know the outcome of something, when you're in the middle of it, it can be scary. Anybody feel that way about what's happening in the world today? Like it's, it's a little scary or unnerving because we don't really know the outcome. Or maybe it's, it's personally. When the marriage is on the verge of collapse and you don't know if it's gonna make it or not, isn't it painful like in the middle of it? Or when it seems like you're headed towards some financial ruin and you can't get your head above water, you don't know how it's all gonna turn out or shake down, that in the middle of that season is painful or maybe a friend has turned their back on you again and it seems like they rejected you. Isn't it in the moment, before you know how the whole thing is gonna turn out, isn't there something that just makes you wanna kind of dig a hole and crawl into it? And when you're dealing with insecurities again or you're dealing with anxiety again or you've been passed over for that promotion again or laid off in the middle of something, before you know the outcome, before you knew it was kids, you know, playing in the backyard, just having fun, life can be painful, can it not? See, I think this is where the friends of Jesus were. In his final hours, here's what the Bible says in, in the book of Luke chapter 23. It says that by this time, it was about noon and darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. The light from the sun was gone, and suddenly the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn down the middle. Then Jesus shouted, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. And with those words, he breathed his last. When the Roman officer overseeing the execution saw what had happened, he worshiped God, and he said, surely this man was 
innocent. And when all the crowd that came to see Jesus, came to see the crucifixion, saw what had happened, they went home in deep sorrow. Verse 49. But Jesus' friends, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance watching. So they were watching all this happen from a, a distance. Here they are watching Jesus be crucified. Now, now, though these people had given their life to follow Jesus, they followed his, his teachings, his example. They've seen unbelievable things. Like they were there when Jesus opened blind eyes. That had to be pretty amazing. They were there when he fed thousands of people on a hillside, like something that they would never forget. They were there in all of those moments. But now the God they had put their hope in and put their faith in, here they are watching hope die right in front of them. Watching it all fall apart, all their hope, their trust, their, their faith, they are disappointed to say the least. I wonder if in your life you've ever been to a place where you were disappointed with how life is turning out. I wonder if you've ever thought this, that it wasn't supposed to go this way, or I'm not supposed to be 30 and single again. It's not supposed to go down like that. I'm not supposed to be at this, this place in my career. I thought I would be much further along by now, or I thought I would have accomplished a whole lot more. Maybe it's uh, my children weren't supposed to take the path in life that they're taking. It wasn't supposed to happen this way. Or I wonder if you've ever been disappointed in people, like that friend wasn't supposed to turn their back on me, or they weren't supposed to walk out on me. I wonder if you've ever felt that way. Or I wonder if you've ever been disappointed in yourself. Like, why do I keep making the same decisions over and over and over, even though I know it's not good for me? Like, why do I, I seem to get five steps ahead only to blow it and send myself 10 steps backwards? I wonder if you've ever been disappointed with yourself. Or maybe... You probably wouldn't say it this way because it's Easter and perhaps you, you woke up early and, you know, got your hair did and put on your Easter best and you're, you're still going to get family pictures today no matter what. And your pastels and spring colors are on point. But I wonder if you were to take off your Easter mask. I wonder if you've ever been disappointed with God. I wonder if you've ever prayed a prayer and thought that he would have answered it in a certain way and, and it didn't happen and, and it left you disappointed. Or I wonder if you depended on God to show up in some area of your life and you feel like he didn't show up the way that would have been best for you because after all, you know what's best for you. That it wasn't supposed to happen this way. That they, they weren't supposed to die or you weren't supposed to lose that child. I wonder if you've ever been disappointed with God. That's where these friends of Jesus are. But what they could not understand or comprehend was that God was working out something incredible in the middle of something terrible, that it wasn't at all what it seemed to be. And I would propose to you today that even in the middle of what's terrible in your life, if you will invite God into your situation, he can take the terrible and make it incredible. Come on, are you with me? Like he can take situations that look dark, even maybe to the point of death in your life, and he can turn them for good and resurrect them in your life. Anybody online watching believe that? Here's what Romans 8, 28 says that he has this way of taking all things, that God can work all things for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purposes. In other words, all the, the good stuff in your life and all the bad stuff in your life. All the days where you feel like you're, you're batting a thousand or the days you feel like you're striking out. 
the days that you thought you nailed it, and the days that you wanted to bury yourself in a hole. He says, on all those days, I can take all things, the rejection, the loneliness, the anxiety, the insecurity, the hurt, I can take all those things and work them together for your good. And if you'll invite God into the middle of your situation, he can take your disappointments and turn them into something beautiful. He can use the terrible for the incredible. But not only were they disappointed, but here's what the Bible says in verse 49, that they watched him from a distance. That those who had followed God were, were standing at a, a distance. And I don't think that the scripture is just giving us their geographic location in relation to the cross or where the, the friends of Jesus could be found in the crowd. I think it was speaking to something of their spiritual condition in the moment as well. That there was a distance, a spiritual gap between them and Jesus. And I wonder if this doesn't describe the way that some of you feel today. That there is a distance between you and God. How many of you know it can be exhausting to live in the gap? Like it can be frustrating to, to live in the gap. The gap can suck the life out of you. And I'm talking about the gap that exists between where you are and where you want to be. That there's this gap that exists between the two. Like maybe as a husband, there's this gap between the husband that you are and the, the husband that you want to be. Or, or as the mom that you picture in your mind as baking muffins every morning and laying out clothes every day. And the mom that you are that's about to knock your kid in the next week, maybe even into the 80s. Boy, I will knock you so hard that you're going to have a fanny pack and some jams on. Come on, somebody. Or, or there's a gap that I have as a pastor. There's the pastor that I want to be. And then there's the pastor that I am some days. Like some days I want to pray for you. And some days I want to smack you. Like I hope you get me on the day. I want to pray for you. But, but there's this gap, which by the way, I hope you're not looking for the perfect church or the perfect pastor because this ain't it. But what happens is if you live in the gap too long, you get frustrated. And if you live in the gap too long, you get, get stuck. And if you live in the gap too long, you, you lose your fight. Like I would dare say that some of you, you've lost your fight in the gap. That there was a day where, where you fought to be something better, where you fought to pursue more in your life. But at some point, when too many defeats happen in succession and you can't seem to close the gap, then you, you lose that fight. You turn your life on autopilot and begin to just kind of cruise through life and you begin to settle for less than what God has for you. And I would propose today that many of you, you're looking at the wrong gap. Because although there is a gap between who you are and, and who you hope to be, there's also another gap. And that's the gap between where you are and where you used to be. And I want to tell somebody this Easter that you're looking at the wrong gap. That you may not be where you want to be yet. Like you may not be the dad you want to be yet. You may not be the son that you want to be yet. You may not have measured up to everything that you want to measure up to. But I just need to tell you today, you are doing better than you think you are. Moms in this season with the, the COVID virus, you're doing better than you think you are. Like maybe you're not baking bread and sewing pajamas, but your kids are alive. Like you may not be where you want to be, but you are definitely not where you used to be. So be encouraged. However, there is another gap that exists. And it's the gap between you and God. 
And this gap is created because of a thing called sin. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. See, here it comes, Colby. This is why I don't go to church, because this is the part where you beat us up, tell us we're all sinners, we're all going to hell, and that God hates us. It's not that part. And I'm sorry if that's what you've experienced. Like, that is so not who God is. In fact, the word sin is really just an archery term, and it simply means to to miss the mark. In other words, there's this, this bullseye. It's the bullseye of the standard of God's living. And we as humans, we don't hit it. And because we never hit it, we sin, we miss the mark. And no matter how many times we shoot, by the way, no matter how many times we, we pull back, no matter how many times we try, we continually miss the mark. We can't seem to hit the bullseye. Because you and I were born with the inability to hit the mark. We were born with sin. It's in our nature. And if you don't believe that, then you're not a parent. Because I never had to teach my kids to roll their eyes at me or to stomp out of the room. Like I didn't teach my three-year-old to to lie or to bite. Like I didn't have to teach my kids to do wrong. They came out instinctively, intuitively understanding how to sin. Like we're experts at it. We all are, by the way, because we're all sinners. We are not mistakers who make mistakes. We are sinners who sin. Like a mistake has the idea that it was accidental, but some of us, we plan out our sins. Like when I get home, I'm gonna give you a piece of my mind. Or when I get to the office, you know, you just wait. That's not a mistake. Like that's a plan. And so sin creates this gap. And because God is holy, he can't have anything to do with sin. And so here's, here's what we do. We try our best to fill that gap with so many things because it creates this void in us that longs for, for something. And so you fill that gap with addiction. You, you fill that gap with relationship after relationship or encounter after encounter. You're trying your best to fill that gap. And we fill that gap with things that we think will satisfy us. And what we discover is that nothing you put in that gap does the trick. And so you come back for another hit. Or now you need another relationship, and now you need this, or now you need that, and maybe you just need more of the same. That'll do the trick, or bigger and better. And so we'll try to fill the gap with a a bigger house, or a bigger car, or a bigger paycheck, but at the end of the day, like we leave empty, because although it may fill the gap for the moment, it can never permanently satisfy. Can I tell you something? That's what Easter is all about, that you and I could not fill this gap. And by the way, this is going to mess some of you up. You can't fill that gap by doing good stuff either. Like some of you have been taught that if you'll just try harder and do your best and be a good person, that hopefully if your, your goodness outweighs your badness at the end of the life, then, then you should get into heaven. Or if you go to church more, you dress up more, you pull up your pants and cut your hair, shave, don't shave, have tattoos, don't have tattoos, stop drinking, stop smoking, stop doing the reefer. If you just stop all that then you can get to God. But can I tell you something? Easter is all about the reality that you and I could never get to God. So God sent Jesus to live a sinless life, to be a perfect sacrifice, to die on the cross, to be raised to life three days later, all in an effort to do one thing. You know what that is? To close the gap so that you and I don't have to live this life at a distance from God. And one of the things that personally wrecks me about all of this is that Jesus willingly took on the cross knowing Colby would act the way that he acts, knowing that you would act the way that you act, knowing that that you would make the decisions that you make, knowing you would turn your back on him at times, 
knowing you would reject him. And, and he gave his life anyway for you because the Bible says greater love has no man than this, that he would lay his life down for his friends. And Jesus demonstrated the greatest expression of love ever seen in the history of the world. Why? To close that gap. And the great news for some of you is that today is not about trying harder. It's not about doing better. It's about by faith accepting what Jesus Christ did on the cross for us. See, religion will teach you that you got to work to get to God. Christianity will teach you you have to have faith in the work that's already been done. And there is a big difference in the two. So now I don't, I don't come to church because I'm trying to please God. I come to church because I'm overwhelmed that he would close the gap for me. I don't lift my hands in worship because I'm trying to pay penance to some God. I lift my hands in worship because I'm still in awe of the day he closed the gap for me. Like I don't serve, I don't give, I don't pray so that someday I can climb my way hopefully to heaven. No, I give, serve, and pray because he climbed out of heaven, came down to me, put me on his back, and brought me to the Father because he closed that gap. And these friends of Jesus, they find themselves disappointed, they find themselves at a distance, but the Bible says this, that at noon, in order to, you know, heap pain on top of pain, that at noon, the sky went dark. It says, by this time, it was about noon, and darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. Now, it didn't say it got cloudy, right? It said it went dark. Now, darkness can be a scary place. At times, darkness can be a, a lonely place. It can be a disorienting place, right? Because when you're in the dark, it's hard to have direction. And when you're in the dark, like who knows what's around you or who knows what's, what's around the next corner with, with all that's happening in our world with the virus, does anybody else feel like they're in the dark besides me? Like I have a lot of questions, but uh, it doesn't seem like I got a lot of answers. Like I'm in the dark. And if I had to guess for many of you that are watching today, it's this moment in the Easter story that describes your life best right now. The Bible also uses the dark as a metaphor for a lack of knowledge or a lack of understanding. And for some of you, that's the spiritually dark condition of your life. It's just that you, you simply don't know. Like you haven't had the love of God revealed to you on a deep personal level. And I just want to declare over your life today that your dark days are over in Jesus' name, that this is the day that the light of Jesus breaks out into your darkness, that this is the day you stop living below the level of all that God has for you. And this is the day that a light comes on to the reality of God's great love for you. That Easter is not a, a cool bumper sticker, it's not a cliche, a, a pithy saying, it's an action that Jesus took by dying for you, signifying that God loves you right where you are, just like you are. And he's not waiting for you to get some things together, get yourself cleaned up before you, you come to him. He loves you right where you are and meets you there. He doesn't even ask you, don't miss this, he doesn't ask you to come halfway because he's already covered the complete distance. And today's the day that you get out of darkness and understand there is nothing that you've done that can put you beyond the reach of his grace. Yeah, but Colby, you don't know like what I've done. How can you say that? You don't know my past. You don't know my story. I've had some dark days. You don't know the decisions that, that I've made, the regrets that I have. Listen, I don't need to know those because I am well aware of the grace 
of God. And I know there is no depth of sin. There is no uh, distance that you can miss the mark that cannot be covered by that grace. Because the light of the world, Jesus, hung in the darkness of the day. He was placed in the darkness of the tomb so that you would never have to walk in darkness again. I feel like preaching on Easter. Come on. Like it was dark, the Bible says, from noon to three. And when the darkness ended, the sun came back out, but Jesus was still dead. And it looks like he's been defeated. But can I tell you something? It's not what it seems. And you know why Jesus went through all of that, by the way? Because he was accomplishing something else. You know why he was betrayed and beaten, bleeding on a cross, buried in a tomb? You know why he went through all that? So that he could look at you, look at me, and go, me too. Hey, you've been hurt by people? Me too. You've had friends turn their back on you? So have I. Like you've had people walk out on you? Jesus says, me too. You've been disappointed? He says, me too. You've been through some some tough things that you wish you didn't have to walk through, but you walk through them anyway? He goes, me too. Remember the garden? When I said, Father, if there's any other way to let this whole cross thing pass by me, but ultimately not what I want, what you want be done? Like, I've done things that I would rather not have had to do, but I did them. He says, me too. He says, have you ever felt like you were carrying the weight of the world on your shoulders? Me too. He's not a distant God. And he's not a God that cannot relate to your current reality. But what looked like defeat was not all that it seemed. What looked like the end was was not what it seemed. What looked like a victory for the enemy was not what it seemed. You can't believe everything that you see. Your eyes will play tricks on you. I would even say you can't believe everything that you feel. It could have been a bad taco you had last night. Like I would propose that you got to believe what you hear. See, they saw defeat on the cross, but it wasn't what it seemed. And Jesus is like, I'm doing something here. I'm working all things together for your good. I know it looks like defeat. The enemy had sat down in his office chair, put up his feet on the desk thinking that that was the end of that, but it was not what it seemed. Why? Because you can't believe what you see. You gotta believe what he said. This is what he said. I am the resurrection and the life. And anyone who comes to the Father, you know, you don't come to God except through Jesus is not what it seemed. There was a football game in 1982. It was uh, Wisconsin Badgers against the Michigan State Spartans. And it was being played in Madison, Wisconsin. And during this this game, the the home team, uh, the Badgers were losing. And they were losing bad. They were getting their, their, their rears handed to them. But every now and then, the home crowd would randomly erupt in applause and start cheering and shouting. And it didn't seem like they were even engaged in the game. And the coach was like, what's going on? Like, why are they cheering? We're losing the game. He was getting mad. He's like, it looks, you know, we're looking at defeat, but they're cheering like it's victory. What he didn't realize was that about 80 miles away in Milwaukee, the Brewers were in game four of the World Series against the St. Louis Cardinals. And back in the day, they had these things called transistor radios. Google it if you don't know what I'm talking about. But the crowd had these transistor radios, and they were listening to their baseball team win the game. 
So although what was in front of them looked like defeat, come on somebody, and although the scoreboard in front of them said that they were losing, they were listening to another voice in another arena declaring victory. And I just want to tell somebody this Easter that I don't know what the scoreboard of your life is saying. I don't know how far behind you are or what quarter it is in your life, but I would encourage you to tune in to a different arena because in the arena of heaven, the score is you win. No matter what you're facing, those who put their hope in Christ, you could be facing illness, financial loss, fear, anxiety, depression, or even cancer. But if you put your hope in Christ, the scoreboard of your life ultimately says you win. Just like it says for my friend Andy. Watch this. My name is Andy Densmore. I'm uh, 44 years old. Our family lives in Mill Village. Um, I remodel houses for a living. Um, first came to uh, know Christ and understand Christ in, back in 2001. Um, just introduced to a different way of churching, you could say. Kelly and I went to we went to school together in Mill Village and graduated from Fort LaBeouf back in 1994 together. In fact, her dad and my mom graduated together um, a long time ago. Went to school together all the way through Mill Village, and our kids were going to school at Mill Village. Um, we both unfortunately went through some tough divorces, and uh, Kelly actually helped me, you know, in the process of understanding kind of the next step to keep your sanity and. You know, I, I was right in the middle of it when we kind of re-met. Why I wanted to marry Andrew, it just made sense. It made complete sense. We went different paths, but we ended up coming back together. And our morals and values, and um, I enjoyed watching him being a father to his four, and enjoyed watching him to, you know, be a stepfather to my, to my two. We got married in 2015. Uh, Colby actually did our ceremony, and uh, you know it was, it was one of the best weddings that many people around here said that they've uh, they've ever been to. So September, I think it was 10th, September 10th, uh, 2018, I met with Dr. Eby and my wife at the at our primary care office, and they explained to me that I had those tumors, that they, they were tumors, and that I needed to meet with a neurosurgeon in Erie, and uh, fortunately was able to meet with him very quickly. Through Dr. Eby's persistence, um, he ordered, and and in the whole Heritage Primary Care, he ordered the MRI stat. If he wouldn't have done that, I don't think Andrew probably would be, be around for, for us to tell the story.
So after a week and a half of being in Pittsburgh, I was diagnosed with stage four lymphatic Hodgkins. And I had it everywhere. My, my uh, report that came back said I had innumerable tumors in my body. They stopped counting after, you know, a hundred or so. And Pastor Colby was there the day I got the diagnosis. I felt um, kind of clear-headed at that point because, you know, I knew, I knew that there was a, a process to treatment and, you know, I understood that I had a lot of people behind me. The only person I had personally, you know, um, dealt with cancer treatments before was, was my mom, who I knew did a couple rounds of chemo. She didn't, it didn't take and she passed away a couple months later. So that's kind of really all I had personally to go off of. He told me from that from that moment that because you're a nurse, this is going to be very hard for you, um, because you know what it could be and what it can't be. Um, he gave us a few moments, which which was great, um, um, and I just I just sobbed <laughs> and uh, hugged Andrew, and um, Andrew patted me and said, "It's going to be okay." I have a list of about 40 people directly that had put on some benefits for us that right away, I mean, God has worked directly through our pastor, pastors Colby and Kristen. You know, they were two of the very first people that we called initially when I got the diagnosis. And they said, whatever you need, whenever you need it. Um, we had friends of ours that said, we've got your mortgage payment handled for Three months, they just took care of it. It was Christmas time. We had friends of ours just take care of presents. As you know, throughout the process of this and, and other things in my life, I've learned to take things one day at a time and to you know, to understand that you can control what you can control today. Your actions, your attitude is about the only thing that you can control today. As a baseball coach, I've been a baseball coach for 20 some years and, you know, I knew that all we had to do is win the, the next inning uh, and to look at that scoreboard and know that we won the last inning, we can go be, play defense and come back and win the next inning. It's never time to think that someone doesn't care for you, especially God. God is always there to is always there to create a backboard, to create a, a surrounding, to push you in the right direction, to not let the ball go foul. So over about a one year period, um, most of those tumors had gone away. I was told that I had a couple that may never go away, which have since gone away. Um, I had some new ones show up in my right upper chest that are still there, that one has gotten bigger, one has gotten you know, smaller, one has stayed the same, and a couple remnants of some other tumors. So in the process of 
you know, understanding that it's something that I'll manage through throughout the next couple years, or hopefully sooner than sooner than that. You know, I'd like I'd like to hear the word remission at some point, but it's not there yet. So, I've I've accepted the fact that you know this is this is one of my battles. You know, it's just the next battle that we're that we're fighting right now. So, it's it's a process of waking up in the morning, seeing where we're at, go accomplish as much as we can throughout the day, and come home and spend some quality time with the family and get ready for the next day. See, Andy knew something, that in Jesus, God's word says you're an overcomer, that no weapon formed against you will prosper. Jesus says, I've overcome death, hell, and the grave so that nothing in your life I can't overcome. See, defeat looked like it was a certainty on the cross, but it wasn't what it seems. And can I tell you something? Like, it was a setup from the beginning. Like, the whole thing was a setup. God set the enemy up. He used the devil like a tool. He said, Satan, you know, you can put Jesus on the cross and you can put him in the tomb, but Satan missed a strategic detail. They only borrowed the tomb. That should have been a clue right there that Jesus wasn't staying in it because you only borrow something if you don't plan on keeping it. And I just want to say that the enemy in your life that makes you feel as though you are losing and your scoreboard says there's no hope, that today he made a strategic error in your life, that he allowed you to stop what you're doing, tune into this church online with this preacher today to tell you it's a setup. And I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you believe the scoreboard of your life says right now. I have an idea, perhaps, of what many of us are facing in this season, but it's only a setup, and it's a setup for God to do the miraculous in your life. Because while suffering is inevitable, like we know that today perhaps more than any other time in our generation, suffering is inevitable, but the resurrection is undeniable. And because Jesus had victory over the grave, our scoreboard says, we win, we win. God tells us that we've all missed the mark, we've all sinned, and also tells us that the wages of that sin, the Bible says, is death, a spiritual death. That means an eternal separation from God. Romans 6, 23 says it this way, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Jesus has a gift to give you, and it's eternal life. That's the, the ultimate scoreboard that counts. And it's not you trying harder, it's you receiving his gift by faith. And by faith, he washes away your sins. For, for many of you watching today, like this is the, the day that you need to make that decision. You've been at a distance. And today, by faith, God's going to come close to you and close the gap in your life. But, but Pastor Colby, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a good guy. I take care of my family. I have integrity on the job. I don't really see why I need faith. Well, here's what God's Word tells us, that on our very best day, when we feel like we're batting a thousand in every area of our life, there's still a gap that exists between you and God. And there's no amount of your good days or, or good works that could close that gap, that the only thing that closes the gap is by putting our faith in Jesus alone. Jesus said this, that I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. And today, he invites you 
And by the way, he'll never force you. It's a, it's a decision. He lovingly invites you to receive that free gift of salvation. And today, what looks like defeat in the arena of your life can be moved into victory in Jesus' name. Like if that's you, wherever you are, I wanna invite you to pray this simple prayer with me. And listen, there's nothing magical about this prayer. It simply is me helping you talk to God perhaps for the first time or maybe for the first time in a long time and just confessing to him, God, I'm a sinner. I need you to come take over my life and today will be a day of new beginnings for you. So if you just bow your heads wherever you are today, just say something like this, Jesus, I confess that I am a sinner, that I've, I've missed the mark. And I believe that you died on the cross for me and that God raised you from the dead three days later, conquering sin and death once and for all. I'm asking you to be the Lord of my life. And with your help, I'm gonna live for you from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for checking out this week's message on the Elevate Church podcast, and we hope you really enjoyed it. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. Welcome to the family. We would love to know about it, so please let us know by going to elevatechurch.com slash yes. There will be some practical resources that will help you as you start this journey. If you want to support the mission and vision of Elevate Church to help people far from God reach their full potential in Christ, go to elevatechurch.com slash give. We'll see you soon. Have a great week.